The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. So, Colin, what is the connection between the James Webb Telescope the in an attempt to build the pyramids? Or is this an, an allegorical story? What is it? Oh, it's a, it's a stretch, Bruce. But my comparison, I'm saying, much like we look at the great pyramids built in ancient Egypt these days and say, wow, that was impressive. Even though at the time, most people wouldn't have had a clue what they were being doing, uh, that they were doing it. This James Webb telescope that was launched on Christmas Day is kind of like us building the pyramids today. Uh, most of us don't get that because it's just another thing we launched into space and it's going to do stuff. And later this year, we'll see some pictures and go, wow, pretty picture, amazing, incredible, but not really fully understand just what's, what's gone into it. And uh, I, I can't tell you about the pictures going to take it because, of course, it hasn't taken any pictures yet. But I can describe some of the engineering that went into building this thing. That at the time when the project was created to say this is the telescope we're going to build, it didn't exist yet. They just trusted that in the 10 years they gave themselves to build it, although they overshot on the time deadline, and the amount of money they set aside, uh, truly astronomical cost, one of the few times I can use that literally, uh, and they overshot that amount. But the engineering and the audacity of what they attempted to do and then succeeded in doing is worthy of being called a most unusual business undertaking. And so that's my starting point for it, given that, uh, well, with the pandemic and how things have been going recently, you might not have said humanity is really firing at all cylinders and, and giving us reason to want to be chuffed about what we've done. Uh, and maybe one of the last stats that give you that uh, 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 indicator was that at the end of 2021, Google was surpassed by TikTok as having had more traffic than anything else on the planet, according to Cloudflare, I must say. But still, that's that's the kind of worry. So here is a project undertaken, initiated 1997, the earlier plans from even before then, uh, to build this amazing telescope. The Hubble telescope, the one we currently know has been creating these amazing things, that was launched in 1990. So pretty much just after they'd launched it, uh, and a little bit after they found out that it couldn't see quite right, they had to fix that uh, subsequently, uh, they began work on this thing. And I don't know if during the, uh, the the holiday period you watched Don't Look Up. I did. And uh, you know Netflix. what? I, I, I watched it and I gave up halfway because I was fed up and grumpy because I just found it farcical and I just thought it could have been so much more powerful. And then I went back and finished it and was very glad that I had, but I, I think it was a missed opportunity. People raved about it, but I just think they, they turned what is quite serious into a silly farce and they could have had fun with it, but it had been a little bit more sort of even handed about it i thought but that's just i'm i'm no barry ronger clearly i'm you know this is not a movie <laughs> review it, it just wasn't to my taste well it certainly was a farce and one of the elements though, that i think they did get kind of correct is the notion that says ah oh, well we need to quickly send some rockets up to space to do to deter a rocket or even worse actually it's worth a lot of money let's send up some mining robots yeah. and go mine the thing because that went terribly wrong because it is incredibly difficult to throw very large objects up into the sky so fast and so high that they don't fall back again. And in the James Webb telescope, the, the scientists and the astronomers said, here's what we would like. And what that thing that they liked, that they wanted, turned out to be a multi-story building sitting on a tennis court. And the, and the likelihood of you sending that into space without catastrophic failure is, is minimal. In fact, this particular project, they refer to single point failures. Uh, and that's simply uh, a thing that is required to happen, that if it fails to do so, the entire mission fails. The John Webb Space Telescope has 344 single point failures 
built in to its design, in part because you can't put a double-decker bus on a tennis court on top of a rocket, fire it off at you know, supersonic speeds uh, into space. Uh, and so what they had to do was to take this thing uh, and fold it up so that it could fit on top of the Ariane 5 rocket that effectively they did launch it on. Um, and even, even that, when they started building this, they didn't even know which rocket could be used for it. The Ariane rockets had only just flown for the first time the year before and it exploded. So the, the kind of optimism and, and hope that these guys would have to do is absolutely crazy. And I'd like to talk through some of the, the various bits and pieces on the telescope uh, to give you some indication for what that's like. But maybe the starting point was it finally getting to launch. In 1997, start the planning. Due to launch, some around 2007, uh, that was pushed back when they realized, listen, there's a lot more moving parts than we'd like to deal with. So they opted for 2015 uh, after a, a failure, and I'll touch on that failure uh, a little more later, uh, they pushed it back to 2018, 2019, pandemic 2020, 2021, later in 2021, until finally Christmas Day 2021, it took off. Here's, here's how that launch went. Standing by for terminal count. A tous de DDO, attention pour les deux comptes finales. 6, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, unité, top. And we have engine start. And liftoff. Decollage, liftoff from a tropical rainforest to the edge of time itself. James Webb begins a voyage back to the birth of the universe. Do they get the cheesiest people at NASA to write those (laughs) scripts? Because they are scripts. They're, They're scripts. They are cheesy. I mean, the countdowns themselves. Here's a quick aside about countdowns. They're not necessary. That rocket does not need a human being counting down in French, English, or any other language for it to take off. And in fact, for those who understand French, you know that he counted down and then it didn't take off and then it took off. And it's kind of just for humans to get that sense of drama and anticipation. If that clip never had the countdown, all you would have heard me play you was the sound of a rocket making a, a racket and then making less so as it traveled away from us. And that's why they have those cheesy lines. So that at some point somebody will replay it or when you're watching it live, you'll have some sense of what just happened. And, and they're not wrong to say that it was taking off from a jungle to go to see the farthest reaches of time, because I'll, I, will, I, will, I will come to that bit in a moment. But there it was, this enormous thing folded up to fit inside that, uh, uh, that rocket fairing, blasted off, uh, and get it to space. What the what the Ariane rocket had to do, though, was to use its fuel, get its trajectory, manage the the flight in the air till finally getting to the you know the end of the atmosphere, and then putting it into space and inserting it, as it were, into an orbit that would allow for its second burn to get it to where it needed to be, one and a half million kilometers away from the Earth. And the the plan was that they would send it up into you know just off off the off the Earth. And then they would use up a fair bit of fuel to get it to where it needed to get to. One and a half million kilometers is, is not close. Um, and so they figured, well, with the resulting fuel that they'd have to correct uh, its, its, its place when it gets to its final orbit, they might get sort of five to 10 years worth of operation out of the telescope before its fuel ran out. But the, 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 the launch was so good. That rocket worked so well that they needed to use so little fuel that effectively they now predict they might have as much as 20 years worth of operation out of that rocket. So where everything could have gone wrong, right there on the launch pad, the first part succeeded so amazingly well that it doubled the lifespan of that telescope. And that telescope is going to be used a lot. But here's another incredible thing about how the rockets and the fuel on that spaceship work. 
It's got to travel to a, a point in space called the Lagrange point. Uh, and what that is, is a place where when uh, the spacecraft gets there, it's effectively on the other side of, of the Earth and the Sun, so that it's orbiting the Sun, um, is that it, it, it basically is in a, in a static orbit where it'll keep its position relative to the Earth and the Sun. And the reason it's out there is because this is an infrared telescope. And so it can see heat. And of course, the Sun is one very large, very close uh, emission of heat. And so to see those things that are very, very far and very, very faint in space, uh, it needs to effectively block that all out. And one and a half million kilometers away is a good place to put it. Uh, and where, thanks to some amazing mathematical solutions worked out in the 1700s, allows humans to know that's where we could put a spaceship nearly 350 years later and say, that'll be a good spot to park it. Um, now that it'll, well, it's on its way there, but the incredible thing about it getting there is that this spaceship cannot turn around. Now you probably remember, or maybe you don't remember the song, uh, Star Trekking. There is a line in that song that says, only going forward because they can't find reverse. Well, this <laughs> ship in some respects can't turn around because if it does, it's incredibly sensitive infrared sensors will be overwhelmed by that bright thing called the sun. And so the way they had to get it to where it needs to go is to uh, generate thrust the way you would if you were driving your car up a hill, but knowing that you've got no brakes and that you have to add just enough thrust so that the car will naturally slow down and stop just on top of the hill. Too much thrust, you go over the top of the hill and you're lost. Not enough thrust and you've got to apply energy again before you get to the top and use up a whole lot of unnecessary fuel. It needed to go one and a half million kilometers. It started off at about a thousand kilometers an hour. It's currently traveling a little, a little more than that. Uh, and it's, it's worked out so that by Sunday, it should have slowed down to the point that it's right on top of that hill. Incredible, incredible science. And that's just getting it there. Then while it's on its way there, the first thing it had to do was open up the sun shield. This is the tennis court part of it. And it is a massive, super thin form of material that works uh, to block the heat and the light that is coming from the sun. But even that thin film of, 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 of material will actually transmit a certain amount of heat. So rather than having one tennis court size piece of material to block, this, to block that heat, it has five of them, each one slightly above the other to get the temperature on the hot side, supposedly of the satellite, which is currently sitting at somewhere 57 degrees. Most things in space will probably boil when they're facing the sun. It's at 57 degrees, but it works so well that on the cold side, supposedly, it has chilled it down and it's currently at minus 204 degrees Celsius. And it plans to get it as cold as minus 266 degrees Celsius. And the reason it has to be so incredibly cold is because this being an infrared telescope, it sees things in the infrared spectrum, which to you and I, oh, it can see heat means that if it operates any warmer than that, it'll effectively just detect itself. That is of no use uh, for the scientists back here on Earth. So to, to cool it down to those incredibly low levels requires an amazing amount of work, including a kind of uh, air conditioning compressor cryo cooler unit that uses sound for cooling. Who would have thought that the, the, the method that I'm talking to you can also be used to cool air to incredibly low levels. I'm not going to try and explain the science behind that one. It is a bit mind-boggling. Um, the next bit that I suppose is worth noting is just how this thing will see. So uh, the Hubble Space Telescope, biggest one we've ever launched and, and used in space, 2.4 meters across, not, not insubstantial, took the whole space shuttle to get that thing into space. And part, half of its design was to say, look, the, the, the Hubble Space Telescope could only be as big as the, the space shuttle because that's what it needed to carry. Uh, the James Webb Space Telescope is 6.5 meters in diameter. So way, way, way bigger. 
uh, and because it is so large and it's, it's the instruments are so sensitive. In fact, the one instrument, if you had to have a child's nightlight, you know how, kind of how bright that is, just mm-hmm. that little thing sitting at the child's bedside table. It's strong enough that if you put that same light on the moon, it would detect just that light from that distance. And this is part where you get to, you know, how can it see so far back in space? Because when we look at things that are in the night sky, we're not seeing them as they are now. We're seeing them as the light was when it left them. And then that's determined by how far away they are. Uh, for our nearest uh, gal- next star along from ours, where, of course, we've got the sun, that's our star. And then the next closest star to us um, is, uh, you know, light years away. It takes almost four light years for it to get here. And the, the fact that when you start looking back further and further, this telescope has the capability to detect light so faint and so far away that it's almost 13 billion light years it can detect. And that is just a fraction after when the Big Bang supposedly happened. So we really are looking back in time. And if there's a final point, and I'll leave a lot more stuff online, it's the fact that will this thing be able to find aliens or even asteroids that's going to you know, potentially wreck the Earth? And yes, it will, because anybody on Earth can pitch to have an experiment or to have an observation done on this telescope when it's ready, which is an incredible sign of cooperation for humanity. Um, and, and with all of those projects, et cetera, that it's doing, really gives me some sense to say, despite all the horrible things that have happened in our social media spaces or our inability to deal with pandemics, here is a piece of engineering that shows when humans get together, they can do some amazingly incredible stuff. Thank you, Colin Cullis. Business Unusual on a Wednesday.